and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Jillian Parker. Hi, Quinn. Hi, everyone. How are you doing, Jillian? I'm doing okay, slowly piecing back together the remnants of my life, but it's okay. It's going to be fine. How are you, Quinn? I'm doing okay. I'm working as a sociology research assistant this semester, and for that, I spent the whole morning researching anti-feminist organizations which is not the most fun thing for me to do, but kind of interesting in a very perverse way, so. Oh, yikes. How many many anti-feminist organizations are there? So there are a lot of anti-feminist websites, but they're very disorganized. But some, we do have some actual organizations with email lists and stuff, which is what I'm looking for. Do they call them anti-feminist organizations? Oh, yeah. Well... Or do they, like, try to disguise it as something else? No, no. Usually people are really proud to be anti-feminist. Oh. They're all about it. Lovely. Yeah. It's great. Although, actually, this is an accidentally relevant conversation, but this relates very strongly to one of our topics for this week. Yeah, so basically, um, Milo Yiannopoulos (laughs) resigned from Breitbart uh, after he made some comments sort of condoning sexual activity between, like, 13-year-old boys and like, um, adult males, so it was just, it was a lot. Um, yeah, so Milo has been an inflammatory figure, um, ostensibly on behalf of conservatives, although we'll come back to that later, um, for a while now. So he was a senior editor at Breitbart, Mm -hmm. a website that I refuse to call news, but, um, while he was there, wrote articles basically, uh, being a horrible person, comparing feminism to cancer, uh, saying that he wishes kids self-harmed more these days, um, just being despicable. Also very infamously terrorizing people on Twitter, um, most famously Leslie Jones, um, one of the stars of the- SNL. Uh, SNL, yeah, Mm -hmm. and the most recent Ghostbusters movies, um, and he has a- he thinks it's fun to direct his uh, small army of Twitter followers to harass and abuse other people, uh, generally women or um, transgender people, mm-hmm. generally people of color, and just harass them, threaten them, uh, be absolutely despicable. And so <laughs> so he is a, a not-liked person at all by me, if you can't tell, and by a lot of other people who enjoy human decency Um, but he has gained, he likes to hide under this idea of free speech, um, and says that he can say whatever he wants because, um, free speech, basically, which, Mm -hmm. to be fair, is kind of true. He can say whatever he wants, not when he's threatening and harassing people, that we have rules against that, um, but he's used that as an excuse to say that he is entitled to a platform, Mm -hmm. um, that he's entitled to speak at campuses, even... Um, there was a very popularized um, protest against him at UC Berkeley recently, um, and uh, he called that like an affront to free speech. Um, he mm-hmm. was given a book deal under Simon and Schuster lately, and of course there was a lot of outrage about that. And he said, "Well, no, I have the right to say whatever I want because free speech." Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, uh, free speech doesn't entitle you to a book deal, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's all about you know tearing down political correctness and just honestly saying whatever is on his mind, which is just, 
Yeah, free speech, but also, like, just human decency. Yeah. Like, we can't arrest him for anything he says, but he's gonna have to live... He can't expect to be able to say whatever he wants and have zero consequences. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I went around just saying everything that I felt, I would definitely complain about more things and maybe say occasionally rude things, especially when people were walking slow in front of me, but I wouldn't um, be like this because most humans are not this horrible. Mm, (laughs) At least I'd like to think so. I want to, I want to, um, go off of that, but I'm thinking, like, what would you say about people who are walking slow in front of you? I'm actually the worst when people are walking slowly in front of me because you can see it on my face how much I hate them. I I just, like, (laughs) I lose all self-control and I don't say anything to them, but you can, if you, they turned around and looked at me, I would be staring at them like they were, they were, like, trying to kill me. (laughs) Goodness. I've actually said, oh my god, and shoved past people before. I, be- um, I believe that. Yeah. And, like, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, my God, if they were walking any slower, they would be walking backwards. <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, anyways, back to uh, <laughs> more relevant topics. Yeah, so for a long time, there's been um, huge amounts of backlash and criticism against Milo um, from, basically, the people that he's victimizing, um, but not from the people in power, um, conservatives who are inviting him to speak at their conferences, like Bo Marr had him on his show the other day as like, this is a a great conversation that we can have and have opposing viewpoints at the table. And it was like, okay, um, people's right to humanity should not be considered a valid opposing viewpoint. But anyway. So assholes versus non-assholes is what you're saying. (laughs) It was a lot of assholes at that table. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Anyway. Um, But now uh, he has gone too far, let's say, um, because these comments surfaced that he made about uh, child molestation. um, And he was talking about how he was um, sexually assaulted by a Catholic priest when he was 13, I believe, when Mm -hmm. he was a young teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was talking about that, but he turned it into a joke. He said that he was grateful for it because... um, he thought it made him, like, better in bed, basically. Um, and then he's talked about how he thinks it's these kinds of relationships are beneficial for young gay boys and that they're educational for them and that they give them, like, a male uh, gay figure in their life that they wouldn't otherwise have. Which oh is, God. of course, horrific. And this idea that um, abuse is beneficial to the victim is... I, like, I hope I don't have to explain, like, how messed up that is. And, and on, so when these comments, are, and there's, there's recording of him saying this, this is not slander, and he has admitted that, he, like, he did say this, and he, he's actually apologized for saying it, which is possibly the first time he's apologized for anything. First time he said, I'm sorry, yeah, exactly. Basically. Um, and, but he did also say that, these were taken out of context, and these were jokes made in poor taste, um, and that he does not support pedophilia and all these things, but um, there's there's not there's no salvaging this. This is too far, um, even for these people who have supported his absolute um, discrimination um, and transphobia and racism all this time have drawn the line at uh, pedophilia. Yes, obviously, but I'm just... I don't know why it was this. I mean, okay, obviously all of these are bad, but I feel like this one, he related it to him. Um, this was the topic he related most to himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just not interesting, but it's just, like, strange how 
obviously pedophilia is not something that you should joke about and it's awful but i'm just like i'm surprised like this was the thing that people got mad about even though this was the topic that related most to him because he was using his personal experiences and laughing about that as opposed to like talking about you know like racism which is something he's never really had to experience well my own personal theory on this um is exactly because of that because he's white and he's talking about boys white boys and so all of a sudden this is affecting and this is getting to people who are in power like um all these white men are like oh no i used to be a child i have children and so this affects me as opposed when he was going after women of color and transgender people it didn't affect them and so they just could brush it off and this this really reminds me of um a little bit before the election when that tape surfaced of um, Trump making those comments about women um, and sexually assaulting women, and that was the outrage. He still won the presidency, so like, whatever. But that was what um, almost toppled him, as opposed to him being ridiculously horrible before, um, especially about racism, but it was when it affected white women that was the problem. Oh, mm -hmm. and in relation, and white women in relation to men. Mm Mm-hmm. And because everyone was like, oh, no, I These know are our women. daughters. These are our, like, sisters and wives and yeah, all relationships to men that made it an issue. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and so all of these men are saying, well, I used to be a boy or I have sons. And so now this affects me. And so now I have a problem with him saying horrific things. So basically... Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is a huge proponent of free speech, and he actually was recently offered a book deal from Simon & Schuster, um, which is just bizarre to me. Like, it's like, oh, I'm gonna say whatever I want, and so that means I have enough credibility to get a book deal. And, ugh, it just annoys me, because I just think that Everyone knows that the freedom of speech exists, but it's the people that maybe even abuse it that get credit for it. You know what I mean? Ooh, that's such a good point. Yeah. I. This is something that differentiates us from other countries, um, because, like, European countries have much stricter laws against hate speech than mm-hmm. we do, um, and don't have the same, the constitutional principles of free speech that the United States does, so mm-hmm. they treat that differently. Like, in Germany, you can't you can't be a Nazi. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas in America, you can. But I think you're totally right, is that people start pulling out this free speech argument most often when they are abusing the concept. They like to say free speech as if consequences from speaking are equal to not being able to speak. Mm -hmm. Like, to use the example of the recent Berkeley protest slash riot, there were recently huge protests at Berkeley that got violence, um and against him coming to speak there. And it was decried, um, including by Trump, um, as as against free speech. Um, and the argument against that is, of course, like, nothing is stopping him from walking onto campus and standing on the corner and saying, like, hey, these are my ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's totally legal, weird, but fine. Um, whereas giving him a, a platform and a place and an audience to speak is completely different, especially since um, documented in the past, he's incited violence um, against students at the campuses that he's spoken at. He went to one school and put a picture and the name of a transgender student on 
his presentation and invited the room to laugh at them. Oh my god. Which is all technically illegal. Yeah, that that's... This is free speech, yeah. But he's just getting all of this recognition for abusing his right and for stretching it to the absolute possible limit. So going off of that, it's funny because he has been recognized in the conservative community as well before this pedophilia comment, um, sort of as, you know, a huge influence and something not, not necessarily positive is a strong word, but definitely, definitely well known in the conservative community. Um, but it's just funny how people like him are just changing the conservative party or the conservative, conservative community, even though, um, Milo Yiannopoulos hasn't actually said or listed some of his beliefs about, like, being conservative. Like, we don't know what his stance on is on taxes or certain, you know, platforms that um, conservatives support, but it's just him, you know, saying whatever he wants. And so one famous author, uh, Matt Lewis, actually wrote a book about how conservatives have abandoned ideas, conservative ideas, or um, their platforms that they previously threw all their support behind and now are turning towards um, the idea of outrage. And everybody is just trying to see who can get the most people the most angry and the most um, politically incorrect, I would say. So it basically has turned more from supporting these conservative ideals such as, you know, um, limits on taxation and other things like that to just being vulgar and going against political correctness and using our um, freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. The the whole idea of agreeing to disagree and like having healthy viewpoints and diversity of opinion, um, those are really really important ideas and I do value those ideas and I don't necessarily think that we're particularly good at those um, Mm -hmm. and that we all live in our own bubbles and all that stuff. But again, like echoing something I said earlier, like someone's right to exist in their own humanity should not be an arguable topic. Right. Like, you should, like, transphobia is not a political stance. Like, that's just you being a bad person. And so I don't respect your right to have a platform to say that. Sorry, Milo. (laughs) Yeah, my problem with this is that, I mean, obviously, besides the obvious, is that, yes, he's exercising his right for free speech, but, like, the things he is saying isn't receiving the backlash, or at least before the pedophilia comment, um, that it should have. It's like, it's like he was praised for being an asshole. And that just makes me so angry. Yeah, like, right before this news came out, he was going to be a featured speaker at the Conservative Political Action Conference. Um, that was more difficult to say than it should have. I don't know why all the words ran together. Anyway, um, and, and, like, when did he become a figure of the conservative movements? It's like, okay, fine. Like, say whatever you want, but, like, you shouldn't be invited to speak at things. Bef- ah, it just makes me so angry. <sighs> it's literally all I've been saying during this episode. It makes me so angry. It makes me so sad. I hate everyone. <laughs> Which is objectively true, but still. 
at least to me, the idea of freedom of speech is like, okay, fine, like, you can say whatever you want, but just don't expect other people to agree with you and don't expect other people to like you for saying, you know, whatever you want to say. But this is the exact opposite is happening. Like, he's saying whatever he wants and things that, you know, people should be upset about, but instead he's gaining popularity and he's gaining followers. Um, Well, at least before the whole uh, pedophilia comment scandal. Yeah, so now he's lost most of his mainstream power and his mainstream um, influence on the conservative movement, but now he's also saying that he's going to start his own media company. Um, which, That's terrifying. Yeah, it's very terrifying. Um, so, apparently he tried to do this before, and it went bankrupt and failed, so we'll see how it goes. He does have more power and influence now, and he does have a committed audience, um, but hopefully at least now he will be ostracized from the mainstream movement is my hope um like (laughs) i mean we're not seeing a lot of evidence that fringe groups are going to be pushed out they're just pushing their way more and more in but this was at least some kind of good step in that direction Mm -hmm. i also want to bring up real quick another story that's on a way different scale but has um been connected to this in some kind of way um and that's the recent controversy about pewdiepie Say say the name. Okay. <laughs> so, Louis, PewDiePie is a YouTuber. Jillian had no idea who he was. I don't really watch YouTube that okay. much. I, I do. Um, <laughs> Unless and, it's the new Chainsmokers music video. That I will use YouTube for. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so PewDiePie is the biggest YouTuber in the world. He has over 50 million subscribers, um, and he's a gaming channel, so he plays video games, um... And he talks over them and makes jokes, and then he edits all the videos together. He puts out a video every day. Um, he recently had a successful YouTube Red show, which is um, YouTube's uh, subscribers-only paid platform. Um, and then he also has a deal... Well, had a deal. We'll get to that in a sec. Had a deal with Disney, um, which is a very popular and successful person. What Jillian wants me to do right now is when he starts his videos, he always says his name in a certain way. And I did I said it earlier, and then she's like, you have to say that on the show. So. I'm waiting. <laughs> PewDiePie. <laughs> Can that just be the name of the, uh, I don't know how you would spell it, but it's like PewDiePie voice. PewDiePie. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is awful. I'm sorry for everyone who doesn't like him and has now turned off the podcast. (laughs) Anyway, to get to the point, I don't actually watch him very often. I've just seen enough videos to know the voice thing. Um, But, uh, so his real name is Felix, and I'm going to start saying Felix now because it's easier to say and a little more dignified. (laughs) So Felix is a, he's actually Swedish. I think he lives in the UK now, but... um, Peace, love, Scandinavia. Yes. Okay, sorry, continue. (laughs) Okay. Um, And he is very famous for um, being very crude and so-called edgy. He swears a lot, makes a lot of off-color jokes. But generally, most of the media, that attention that he gets is about how much money he makes, which is somehow becomes a topic of conversation every year. And then everyone who's kind of in the YouTube community is like, whatever, um, because we all understand that the people at the top make a lot of money. But mainstream media is continually fascinated by this. Mm -hmm. But now there was an article in the Wall Street Journal published about him and his anti-Semitic comments. So in a recent video, he was using this website Fiverr, which is you pay someone $5 to do something. And he was decided he wanted to test the limits of what people would do and had these two guys hold up a sign that said death to all Jews. 
Um, so that's, of course, horrible. And after this happened, um, these journalists watched a ton of his videos and collected what they called, I think it was eight other anti-Semitic uh, messages and jokes that he's made in recent times. Um, and it's true that he does have this, like, perverse fascination with Hitler and Nazi imagery, not necessarily explicitly endorsing it, but using it and trying to use it as jokes and for humorous effect. And his defense of the video that he made, which I did think he did take down, um, was he was just trying to prove how ridiculous this website was and how extreme and how people would just do insane things um, and said that he never expected them to actually do it. But basically he was trying to make an edgy joke and he did kind of apologize for it. It came off a little bit as, I'm sorry you're offended, not I'm sorry I did something wrong. And my thoughts on this, I know you don't know a lot about this because basically the explanation I've just given is the explanation you've gotten as well, but I do want to know what you think about this concept in general um, because my personal thoughts from reading the article, um, watching his response to it and all this, is that I don't think that Felix is a Nazi. Like, I don't no. think that he is explicitly endorsing um, fascism or that he actually wants to kill Jewish people. Like, that's not, that's not what he's trying to do here. Um, and so he's being very defensive about it and is like, this is just a target job against me. Like, the Wall Street Journal um, does not like me. Mainstream media does not like me. And so they're trying to make me sound horrible. Oh, and he lost his... Um, YouTube and Disney deals because of this, which I alluded to earlier. And and on one hand, I do think this has been blown out of proportion because there are a lot of people who don't like him and who think his um, particular stage presence, per se, and humor is off-putting. Um, but on the other hand, I do think that what he's been doing and by making these jokes has been, not purposefully, but has been enabling and validating actual neo-Nazis into thinking that their views are valid and mainstream, mm -hmm. which is dangerous and he should apologize for that, um, and or at least recognize that that is what he's doing instead of just brushing it off and saying, oh, I just made a joke and it came off wrong. Yeah. Before I answer this, I just want to say, how did Disney even give him a deal to begin with? Like... <laughs> I know, it's like, didn't I watch any of his videos before? <laughs> I was like, uh, like, I wasn't allowed to watch Sky High in, which is a Disney movie, um, in, like, elementary school because it said the word, it had the word sucks. Like, I don't even know. But anyways. That's adorable. It was my school's, like, thing. Oh, Catholic school. <laughs> uh, TBT. Um, yeah, so I agree with you. I think what he did was stupid and wrong, and we do have to be careful what we say because, you know, it, our words can be misconstrued and we could actually, you know, be validating beliefs that should not even be beliefs. They should just be eradicated from this earth forever. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I think intent has a lot to do with, you know, everything. But I don't think Felix was sitting in his room about to play video games saying, ooh, let's, how many anti-Jew jokes can I make today? You know, like he's not... He's not trying to start a movement, but I understand why people don't like him is because he does come across, you know, as sort of this jerk who doesn't care about other people. But I just like, we talk so much about freedom of speech and then we, it's like some things are okay and some things are not okay. It's like some things cross the line, some things don't cross the line. And I, I know I can't compare him to, you know, like a stand-up comedian, but stand-up comedians definitely have jokes, maybe not about like 
being anti-Jew, but they definitely have some very vulgar jokes that taking it any other context would be not be okay. But because it's in that form of, you know, humor and entertainment and comedy, it's somewhat acceptable. I Okay, I have two responses to that. One, I think that the comparison to stand-up comedian is, like, very appropriate. And I think I... Um, I think that other people have been drawing that connection before, and I think the difference is he wasn't as good at it. Yeah. Basically, he's like, like, there are a lot of controversial comedians out there. Um, just to use an example of someone that I actually watched, Bo Burnham had a song about killing yourself. Um, and of course, that's not, that's really horrible, right? But he did it in a way um, that made it very clear that, first of all, he's not condoning killing yourself, and also the joke was good enough that and it actually balanced that line of edgy comedy, per se. Whereas Felix, as not a professional comedian, has not honed his um, joke-making skills, and it did not come across as funny in the same way. It just came off as bad. So on one hand, maybe he just needs practice, but the problem is he already has 50 million subscribers and an audience that's far larger than any other starting Mm -hmm. out comedian in the same way, you know? So... Don't know if that's going to be any good. And to the point about intent, um, on one hand, I think you're right that intent absolutely does matter. Um, and obviously this conversation would be a lot different um, if he, if we thought that he really was like trying to incite violence against Jewish people. But on the other hand, I also think that we live in this time where there are violent people and that it is so becoming so dangerous that we do need to call people out even when they're unintentionally causing harm. Like, it's hard, it's it's easy for me to sit here and say, like, people should welcome being called out. But I mean, in my own experience, on a much, much smaller scale, to be clear, like, people have said to me, like, this thing that you said wasn't cool, um, and it's, it's hard to hear, but it's like, oh, okay, like, I understand I have to say something different because what I said could be potentially hurtful or harmful. Um, and for him to just kind of brush off the criticism, I think, and say, like, oh, what I did was kind of stupid, but it's being blown out of proportion, and not accept that he might actually be causing harm, I think is the problem here. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like he also has that, yeah, freedom of speech argument, and then also, if you don't like what he says, don't listen to him. Mm-hmm. You know, just, like, turn off the channel. Like, he, I don't know. It's just, it's like this weird balance of, like, realizing that there is freedom of speech, but then also realizing that you sort of do have some sort of civic responsibility to be a decent human being. And it's like, ooh, which one should, which one should I try to aim for today? (laughs) Well, I mean, to make this terrifyingly relevant to, like I said, real world violence, um, there have been a rash of anti-Semitic attacks and threats recently in the United Mm -hmm. States. Basically, there have been a lot of threats against Jewish organizations. There have been lots of, um, bomb threats in, you know, Jewish houses of worship. And it's just, it's a lot. It's not, it's not good. At this point, I don't think anyone has been harmed. Um, All of the threats have been found to be hoaxes so far. But the most recent thing that happened was a Jewish cemetery was vandalized Mm -hmm. um, and graves were pushed over all across it. And Trump has been, you know, not really coming down hard across, you know, what's been going on. He described some of this as, you know, oh, the fact that this is still happening, that these views are still being held is painful and sad and we should, like, stick together. And it's just, he's not using 
a strong enough rhetoric to really condemn what's going on. Yeah, it's also worth noting that it took him a really long time to actually condemn what's been going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. he just made these comments um, when there have been threats against Jewish daycares and community centers for weeks now. Um, Also, must not forget that we had Holocaust Remembrance Day recently, and they did the White House official statement did not mention Jewish people at all. Yeah. So, there's that. Um, It's just like with these news, it's just like, first of all, everything makes me so sad. And then second of all, it's like, well, this is happening. It's like we're that meme with the dog, like everything blowing up around us in flames. And it's like, well, what can we do? Because us complaining about it doesn't really do anything. We're not complaining. We're conversing. There's a difference. We have a microphone. (laughs) We're having a dialogue, not not a rant. But to connect this to um, Milo, the, what's, of course, always important to remember and what is always hanging in the back of my brain um, is that one of the people leading the White House right now is Steve Bannon, the former editor of Breitbart, the person who hired Milo um, and is documented anti-Semite. Okay, so obviously threatening anyone with anything is problematic, but like also having these views in a really, really twisted world could be seen as, ooh, this is freedom of speech, I can say whatever I want. Like, if I want to say something about, like, not liking Jews, and I should be able to say that. But then it's just like, no, like, you can't... And it's just like, how do we... Not edit the rule, but how do we make it more of a thing that you just can't, like... Calling out certain ethnic groups or certain races is just not okay. Like, I thought we covered this already. Well, that's the thing that comes up in legislation is do we want to enact hate speech laws, which would basically be that, is that um, hateful speech would be legally not protected under free speech and that there would be specific consequences for it. In theory, I agree with that concept, but in practice, I don't know if that would function. I don't think it would function. And then also, where would you draw the line? Exactly. Because, like, I could say, like, uh, oh my god, Quinn, like, I hate you. You're being, like, such a whatever right now. But then it could be, like, oh, well, Jillian Parker is anti-feminist and just, like, hate speech, arrested, 20 years in jail. And I'm just be like, well, this is, like, it's just, it's such a slippery slope to, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and then also who's gonna be, like, deciding this? Like, it's just, it's a lot. Yeah, and, and, especially the administration that we have right now is like, I don't want to come out in favor of anything that limits what people can say, because um, I think that with what's been going on with the Trump administration trying to discredit the media um, and kind of alienate the education and information as false, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that we should try to enact anything that can restrict what people say, because I think that can, like, it's a very slippery slope to 1984 territory once you get into that, um, in the dangerous place that we are right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I would just like people to not suck. <laughs> like, I wish that we wouldn't have to have laws about that, you know? Can we just all try not to be jerks? <laughs> like, can that, can that be a thing, please? Can we make a valiant effort to try to be decent humans? You know... I don't ask for much, Quinn. Okay, actually, yeah, I ask for a lot of things, but this, I don't think, is asking for much. 
I just, this is a small digression, um, but I just don't understand what people get out of being mean to other people. Like, especially people like Milo and Steve Bannon. Although, I mean, Steve Bannon, like, wants to take down the entire government, so that's a different scale issue. But, um, like, Milo directing hate and harassment and abuse at people, why is that fun for him? I just don't understand. I honestly think it just goes to, you know, worldviews or self-views, which is something that I've heard about, um, that I've heard. And it's like what you say is only reflecting of, like, your perception. So, like, for example, like, even with generalizations, like, or even with relationships, like, somebody saying, oh, I love you to someone doesn't mean, like, it doesn't, that shouldn't give the other person any sort of, um, I can't, I can't explain this right now. This is a very poor way of explaining it. So even with generalizations, like, when people make these you know, general claims. It's just really what they think. It's like a perception of how they feel. And so basically him saying mean things isn't necessarily about, like, he's not, he's doing, he says these things or maybe he does these things because in some weird way it makes him feel validated and it makes him, you know, his self-esteem increase. And I also want to throw in here how most of this episode has been devoted to talking about ideas of speech um, and that may seem like not as important compared to these threats of bombs and violence um, and this vandalization of uh, Jewish communities and Jewish cemeteries. Um, But I also think that like speech is where it starts and the words that we use do matter and they do enable this kind of violence um, and attacks. So like, I do think it's very important to talk about that and look at where we can shift the conversation because I, I think that what's been happening um, to uh, these Jewish communities all across the country um, has been a result of the shift of the national conversation. But also if you'd like to have a more focused practical attack at this right now, we'll also include um, links in the show notes to uh, spots where you can donate to help out the places um, that have been vandalized. And also, um, of course, always call your representatives um, if you live in the U.S. and encourage them to speak out against uh, these threats and violence. Mm-hmm. In other news, uh, Trump has pushed forward some executive orders um, and some uh, plans for enforcing those orders that really up deportation in the United States. Um and the quote that I keep seeing everywhere, which sounds really scary, um, is uh, Press Secretary Sean Spicer said that these new rules um, will basically take the shackles off of the immigration officers and they just want to be upping deportation. They just want to deport everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is, this is interesting because uh, President Obama did deport a huge number of people while he was president. Mm-hmm. Um, he was called deporter in chief in some circles. And um, so we did step up enforcement of uh, illegal immigration laws, especially when immigrants had committed crimes. Um, That was the main focus, is if they had committed crimes, um, it was very likely if they were here illegally that they were going to be deported. But now um, the focus is being shifted to all undocumented immigrants and basically just trying to do their best to round up everyone um, who doesn't have proper documentation 
and deport them back to the country of origin. Um, still unclear what's going to happen to the dreamers. Um, those are uh, people who were brought to the United States as young children mm-hmm. um, and have now have documentation um, as a quote-unquote dreamer, but still are technically not legal residents, but mm-hmm. they have like this in-between kind of legal status. So has... So far, um, none of the new policies will affect them, um, but Trump has been kind of inconsistent on whether or not he will attempt to deport Dreamers in the past, so we're not Mm -hmm. sure what's going to happen there. Yeah, it's interesting because technically no new drastic laws have been implemented, it's just the way that Trump is enforcing enforcing these laws is making the huge difference and why the the number of deportations can increase exponentially. Mm -hmm. They've been doing basically deportation raids. Um, Mm -hmm. There have been reports of the ICE um, trying to track down undocumented immigrants all over the country and and really stepping up deportation attempts. Also, they're still talking about building this friggin' wall. I I can't... Oh my god. Okay, first of all, the wall idea is the stupidest thing I've ever heard because, okay, so I understand the concept behind it, but it, like, won't work in practice. You can go over walls, under walls. Like, it's not... (sighs) That makes me mad. But also, I'm just interested in what you think about um, immigration and, like, these laws in general. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I think this is a really complicated topic. Would you say you have mixed feelings, Quinn? Don't. Uh, okay, I guess it's been a while since we've said that. You okay, get one. we've been so good lately. Are you kidding me? We've have, we haven't said that since like episode eight. Don't quote me on that. So if you don't mind me getting kind of existential for a moment, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about practical policy. I feel like lately, the more I think about immigration, the more the whole concept just confuses me. And this may be because I've been very, I feel like I've been very disconnected from this American exceptionalism idea and this concept that being American makes you so special and that the United States is a special country in some, like, indescribable way and that's better than everywhere else and that being born here makes you special. And so for me, this concept that, like, where you're born determines your entire life and that it determines if you are better or not than the person on the other side of the line is just confusing to me on like a big picture level and I understand that there's practical policy and practical laws to talk about here but like I know there are places um on the United States borders where you can just walk across and you can't just Generally, you can't just walk into the United States, but you can, like, walk into Canada or walk into Mexico in certain places. Um, And the fact that, like, being born one mile or the other completely changes your life just doesn't make any sense to me Mm -hmm. on a base level. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that kind of colors how I think about immigration and this and the pouring of resources into deporting um, immigrants who have not committed any crimes except for not having proper paperwork just doesn't seem like the focus we should have as a country Mm -hmm. interesting interesting what do you think about this so i feel like i take more of like an economic stance from this just because like as someone who wasn't born in this country my parents like had to go through like a lot of paperwork to so they could adopt me and things like that and so 
I think I have sort of maybe a very biased view just because, you know, it's not easy for some people to like, like, I can't, like, I'm from, I come from a very privileged position in the fact that like, my parents did have the resources to go through the paperwork and to like, talk to lawyers and make it possible for me to come over here and, you know, become a citizen. Um, But I think it's just, so my view on it is that I'm all about, like, I think having immigration is so important because, you know, we're all basically immigrants. Like, the only people who've been here forever are the Native Americans, and we have not, we don't have a great reputation with treating them correctly, but I think it's just, like, even if, even from an existential point of view where, like, technically living a mile away from, being a mile away from being born inside the border, like how that changes your entire life. Yes, I feel like that does make sense on a very philosophical level, but also it's just, to me, it's just about resources. And it's about, you know, there's so many hardworking people in America, you know, that have to pay taxes, that have to, you know, go to work every day to t- take care of their kids. And then other people who come in and then you utilize these resources or like go to go to public um, places that are supported by tax dollars, even though they're not contributing. And I think that's necessary. I think that's my problem with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think that that's fair. Um, isn't it true that that a lot of, not all, but like a lot of immigrants do pay taxes, even if they are undocumented? I'm pretty sure that I think, I think at least for social security and Medicare, but I also don't know that mm-hmm. I could be making that up. We will fact check. Before. We will fact check ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, another argument about this um, is the, the comparison between legal immigration and illegal immigration, um, uh, where, like, of course, immigrating here legally is often very difficult, um, and it is very hard to secure the proper visas and especially citizenship, um, and compared to people who, like, quote-unquote, just show up and, and quote-unquote, cut the line um, and be here. And I think that that is, like, (laughs) very fair. And I don't know what it feels like to be someone who, for example, like, immigrated here as an adult and went through Mm -hmm. um, a huge process um, to live here legally or to bring their family here and to look at someone who didn't do that, um... But on the other hand, I disagree with, like, the rhetoric that they just, like, manifested themselves into the United States and are living here uh, just, like, leeching off of other people's resources and don't have to work or suffer or anything. Because I mm-hmm. think that for the most part, um, all... I think that for the most part, undocumented immigrants are working. They are contributing to the economy. They are paying some taxes... And they are just in general contributing to the economy and to society. Um, And I I don't know, but, like, I question how much this rhetoric of them cutting the line is true. Like, does it actually mean that people who immigrate here legally, like, have a worse time or that it takes them longer because other people are undocumented? I don't think it's necessarily that, but... You, I'm pre- can you, you can apply for citizenship if you're not living in this country, right? Or no, you have to be, like, on resident. You have to get a visa first. It's a whole, like, multi-step process. Right. So you have to have a certain, you have to get a certain kind of visa. Um, like, you can't, I don't think you can just, you like, can't apply just, like, for show, citizenship yeah, yeah. if you have, like, 
no visa or if you just have like a student visa or something like that like you have to have a particular kind of visa and then you have to get a particular next kind of step and you have to get sponsors like you have to be married to someone or you have to have sponsors uh, as employers and then depending on what country you're from it takes a certain number of years to get citizenship regardless of whatever else like it's complicated yeah definitely um i don't think necessarily illegal immigrants are affecting the ability for other people to like immigrate immigrate legally but i do think that concept of you know cutting the line does seem on some level unfair mm-hmm. like there has to be there's there needs to be some justice regarding that but also i don't like i think that the having the dreamers or having some policy that lets children who were who moved here because their parents immigrated illegally and giving them time and giving them the resources that it takes for them to become legal citizens i think having that in place is still so important because i don't think you should have to pay for the sins of like your like what is it like the sins of your father which is like an expression but i don't think you should have to um necessarily suffer you know a lot of negative consequences for something you had no control over that you were just brought here because you know you were two months and like you know yeah i absolutely agree with that so i think having that or some sort of law with regarding that is so important yeah i mean like i know people mm-hmm. like I, I think that we can both like say that we know people who yeah. are undocumented um and i know people who were brought to this country so young that like they do not speak the language of their native country they do not remember mm-hmm. it if they were sent back they're like they would not be able to make anything of their lives um whereas here like they've lived here their entire life they speak fluent english like they're part of this society mm-hmm. and so i yeah i'm glad that at least for now hopefully um will continue to be like um the dreamers are protected to focus more on this particular story what do you think of um this particular plan of deporting undocumented immigrants so my theory on this is like i'm not gonna be like oh yeah like i love deportations like that i no. but i don't understand what else they would do like i don't understand how else you would remedy this because otherwise it's like okay well then you can stay in the country i guess and use the resources but then you have to like fill out the paperwork and then it's just like this whole like bureaucratic thing of like nothing really ever gets done with like paperwork and it would just take forever and then they're still using the resource i don't know it's just i like don't know how i feel about this but i like don't know what other solution you would do yeah it kind of comes across to me that the united states has kind of existed in this uneasy kind of truce for a while that as long as you stay under the radar and don't break the law Mm -hmm. then you can just kind of live here undocumented Mm -hmm. um and there aren't people specifically going out and trying to find you. I mean, that differs on a state and, right. and county level, um, depending on where you live. But uh, federally, like, they're not just doing, like, widespread random raids to try to find undocumented immigrants, which is what it sounds like is going to be happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can have lived here for 20 years and have never broken a law, again, of course, besides customs laws, um, and can be taken and processed and possibly deported. The counter idea to that, um, which we, something we don't really have, but uh, some people, especially on the Democratic Party, have suggested, is having a path to legal citizenship for people who currently live here undocumented, mm-hmm. which doesn't really exist right now. Mm-hmm. So saying like, okay, if you've lived here for a certain number of years and you've paid like this many taxes or you've worked for this long or whatever, like you can apply to get a visa and a path to citizenship um, Mm -hmm. that isn't really practically available for 
current undocumented immigrants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there definitely needs to be some sort of, there needs to be some sort of alternative, like, I, I don't know. It's, this is hard. This is complicated. This is hard. Uh, I feel like this is one of those topics that I'm, like, feel the least secure about how I feel about it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that my uh, viewpoint on it does evolve with time um, and with, like, development of information and stuff like that. So mm-hmm, definitely. I'll keep reading. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, as Quinn said, immigration is something that's just very... Um, murky waters and it's something that people agree over disagree over but i think that one thing that everyone agrees over is how emma watson is the most flawless human being in the world y'all you have no idea how excited jillian was to uh, implement that transition (laughs) (laughs) this was cut out but i actually asked quinn if that was an okay transition before and then i like didn't she like didn't give me the official word if i could use it but then like a few minutes ago she like gave me the eye and i was like Oh, yes, this is my time. <laughs> this oh my is my God. moment. Well, it's true, though. Okay, so originally I was like, can we talk about Beauty and the Beast? Because so the Beauty and the Beast live action movie is coming out March 17th, 2017, and that's only a few weeks away, and I'm really excited about it. Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I just, I love Emma Watson so much. And it's a little early to talk about it because we're almost certainly going to talk about it again after it comes out, but guys. Wait, when is it coming out again? March 17th. Okay. Oh, St. Patrick's Day. Ay, yeah. Um, oh my god, yeah. No, Beauty and the Beast is, like, top three favorite animated films of all time for me. It's my favorite. I identify with Belle really strongly. Mm-hmm. And now Emma Watson is Belle, and Emma Watson is also Hermione, and I love her so much. Uh, she's just... Everything she does is just so great. Like, I love her. Like, everything that she does is so quality. I think a lot of people were nervous um, that, you know, like, she was going to continue acting, but I think a lot of people were nervous because they didn't know if they could see her as any other role besides Hermione. Um, But I think she's definitely proven that she is such a talented actress that she can really do anything. Like, she was phenomenal in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, she was so good in that movie. Absolutely. I was very hesitant on seeing Perks of Being a Wallflower, not only because that was, like, one of the first movies, if not the first movie she did after um, Harry Potter ended, or at least the most famous one, but also, like, I read the book um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, and I loved it, and I'm always, like, hesitant to see movies that are based on books because, like, the book is always better. And I do think that the book was still better, but the movie was still so good. It was. I actually saw the movie before I read the book, and I saw the movie, and I loved it, and I read the book, and I loved it. <laughs> it's great. Y'all should watch and read it. Um, but also now, the live-action Beauty and the Beast movie is coming out, and the cast is phenomenal overall. Like, the people they have in this movie are ridiculous. Like, they have Emma Thompson, and Luke Evans, and Josh Gad is gonna be LeFoe, which is gonna be so funny, and I do not remember his name, but the guy from Downton Abbey, who I really liked in Downton Abbey, is gonna be the Beast, which is so cool! Uh, it's such- oh my god, it's just such a good Disney movie. I'm just so- I'm so excited. And we're- I, the, um, trailer for it is linked in the show notes, and it's so beautiful. Like, watch it, it fills me with joy. Um, I watch it when I'm sad now. It came out a couple weeks ago. And, like, if anyone wants to place bets on how many times I go see this movie in theaters, feel free. Because, assuming it's not terrible, which there's no way it's going to be terrible. Like, I believe. (laughs) Um, Assuming it's not terrible, I'm definitely going to go see it more than once, so. Mm -hmm. It's coming out when we're in Denmark, right? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Do you think it's playing in Denmark? 
I don't, I feel like we shouldn't go see it in Denmark because there are other things to do there, I guess. I don't that's know. Fair. No, Maybe that's if fair. we're tired, we can go see it because it's coming out later in the week, I think. <laughs> um, but then once we get home, we can see it all of the times. Yes. Yes. Um, I, she's doing her own singing, right? Mm-hmm. Ugh. She can literally do everything. Yeah. There's also, and of course, Emma Watson is also just an extraordinary person besides being an extraordinary actress. I mean, she's a UN Goodwill ambassador for women, and she started the whole he for she movement. Um, Also, there's this really cute video of her, like, on the London Underground, and she's going down an escalator, and she's putting books by the side of the escalator with notes in them for people to pick up, and then she turns around and smiles at the camera, and it's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. And she's obviously so talented, such a good human, so I hate to, like, objectify her in any way but she's also just so beautiful like she's so pretty like um the guy I made the powerpoint for we all we we bonded over how beautiful she was oh yes I'm also really in love with her yeah I mean that's fair I believe the quote was it was sometimes it's hard for me to follow what was going on in the Harry Potter movies because I just couldn't stop staring at Emma Watson and I was like okay that makes that's fair that's, that's fair. That's a little much, but okay. I mean, yeah, but... Yeah, no, I get it. This topic has absolutely no point. We just wanted to talk about Emma Watson. Oh yeah, there's absolutely no arc for this whatsoever. We just wanted to gush about Emma Watson for like five minutes. Just to remind y'all that there is still good in this world. Yes. There is Emma... As long as Emma Watson is here, still working and no, producing... don't say that. Then something will happen to her. Oh my god. Quinn is convinced that I'm cursed, so... She is cursed! (laughs) I'm just not gonna talk anymore. (laughs) No, you should always talk. I love you. But yeah, no, she's flawless. We love her. 10 out of 10 would recommend seeing the Beauty and the Beast movie, even though it hasn't come out yet and no one has seen it yet. We're very confident. But I'm still gonna recommend it. 10 out of 10. (laughs) I'd just recommend watching the trailer over and over again. That's fair. That's what I'd do. (laughs) Okay, well, ending on a high note. I think we should uh, just about wrap up. Mm-hmm. I want to make a Wingardium Leviosa joke so badly, but I won't. Ending on a high note, like, love it. Okay. <laughs> no, I get it now. Get it. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, that was a stretch. Thank you all for listening today. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM, where you can tweet at us or send us a DM. You can also find us at Relay.fm slash MixedFeelings, uh, where there's a contact form. You can send us an email Or you can find us in the iTunes store, where it would be incredible if you left us a review. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for speaking with me today, Quinn. Thanks for talking with me. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings.